study. Welcome to my home. I'm actually in my home doing this. So uh, it is a literal home Bible study. So we've been studying Psalm 1 and um, you may have noticed that we haven't gotten very far into this Psalm. And I want to take the time necessary to really give it a proper study. I don't think that I'll ever be able to really give it a proper study, but I want to do the best that I can with what I have uh, at the moment. So we've been looking at this psalm. Uh, We started in uh, verse 1. I'm just going to go ahead and read the whole psalm to get us caught up to where we are now. Um, Psalm 1, How blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So we studied, uh, we started verse 1, we took a little time in verse 2, and now we're going to start up in verse 3. I read from the NIV version, I'm a big fan of King James. Um, I will be using King James uh, moving forward most, most of the time, but Um, I do like the uh, translation, the ease of reading that the NIV provides, but I'm just a King James person. That's what I've always used, and uh, I think it's a good habit. So, uh, verse 3, And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. So, a little review. This psalm is a psalm of contrast. and Basically, what it's doing is it's contrasting the godly person, the person who seeks to live a life that's blessed, that's characterized by being blessed. Uh, That means being blessed of God. So how is that accomplished? Well, this psalm paints a picture of the reality of the challenge of living that life. You know, it's not, there's no magic involved. It's not There's not a magic wand that we can just wave over and then everything's just wonderful. I think a lot of people present the word of God that way. Uh, They talk about living a victorious life and, you know, how God just wants to give you everything that the world has to offer. And he wants to give it to you in abundance. And you just need to go out and grab it, you know, take it. It's there for you. Well, That's a misrepresentation of the truth. The truth is we live in a world that is contrary to the word of God. It's contrary to God. And it's going to be contrary to those wanting to live a blessed life. There's a challenge involved. We saw that in verse 1 with uh, the counsel of the wicked and 
how there's a whole group of people, their main priority, their main goal is to be contrary to this blessedness, you know? And so then we went into more detail in verse two, and we saw the contrast to those people to, well, what is it, what are the characteristics of this individual who seeks to live a life that's blessed? Well, we saw in verse two that his delight is in the law of the Lord. So right away, we see the word of God is giving the, the preeminence in this, uh, successful living of a life that's blessed it starts and ends with the word of god we have to know it this is how god communicates with us instructs us uh, counters the counsel of the world it's it's going to be in his word so we looked at we looked at that and in the characteristic of life of this person that it's not just a casual study this the word becomes something that is a part of their complete life, the life of the believer. They meditate on the word day and night. That's a picture of the completeness of the place that the word takes in your life. And it's very important to see that. So now we're going to go into a little more detail. We saw the characteristic of life of this person who wants to live this life of being blessed to maintain this state of blessedness, it starts with the word of God. So once that person is obedient to that and the, the word has become a part of their life night and day, then there's going to be a result that comes from that. And in verse three, we take up what that result is. What are the results of this blessedness? There's an immediate uh, benefit to the individual, but there's also this radiation of benefit that goes out beyond that individual to even those that are mentioned in verse one who are contrary to, to that person. So let's look at verse three. It says, and this connects to verse two, uh, and he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of waters that bringeth forth his fruit in season his leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he do shall prosper so first of all we see that you know this is the book of the psalms so psalms is take spiritual things and it uses language of song to communicate these things and so there's analogies that are made in pictures that are formed from these analogies. And, you know, pictures are good. I personally am a very visual learner, audiovisual, so I like pictures. Pictures help me to get the proper context. And I think that's what the goal is here. So the, the picture that we have is of a tree that's been planted by rivers of water. So in preparation for this study, I had to become um, sort of an arborist. Uh, I personally like to garden. I planted many trees in my lifetime successfully, uh, thankfully. And, um, but still, I have a lot to learn about even trees. 
So I did some research and study. And it's interesting because trees tell a story. If you just look at a tree, when they, there's a way they can cut into a tree and there's these lines inside the tree. And each line tells a story. There's a kind of a faint line and a dark line. And each one of those lines together create is one year. And you can see how old the tree is by the lines. Just follow the lines from the outside moving in. You can tell uh, what years the trees had a lot of light or a lot of nourishment and what trees, what, what, what years that the tree experienced drought. Um, you can tell even if there was something that injured the tree, that the tree had to overcome. There's a, a almost a digital record in the lines of that tree. And I think that's interesting as it pertains to us because if we're going to live a life that's blessed, we also are going to have a record, right? There's going to be a record of what we do here on earth when we stand before the Lord in the Bema. And I hope to study that, you know, with you guys, the Bema judgment. It's a judgment seat of Christ. It's, it's a judgment not on salvation because these people are already saved, but it's everything you've done in your it's everything that you've done in your life, whether it be good or evil. So uh, the picture is that we'll be standing um, with the Lord and there'll be a fire and our life will be placed in this fire and everything that's done in our life that was evil after that we were saved. Uh, those times that we listened to the people from verse one, we walked in that ungodly counsel and we stood in the path of sinners. That's going to be burned up. But everything that we did that was good, the things that are listed starting from uh, verse two, uh, those things are going to not burn up. They're going to come out as precious metals as a, in the form of crowns. There's five total crowns that are available to the believer and they are four, there are four crowns that anybody can get. The fifth crown is exclusive to pastors. So these crowns are our rewards. You know, Paul says, run the race as if someone who wants to win, you know, that you, you want to win the prize. And we have the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ as our prize. And, you know, it's good to know about these crowns. It's motivation. And the motivation is not because we want some possession in heaven outside of the Lord Jesus. It's because these crowns are going to be the gift that he gives us that we can then give back to him. And you want, you're going to be in a situation where after you review your total life with Jesus standing next to you, you're going to earnestly want to give something to him. And at that point, you cannot do any service or anything to earn anything to give to him. It's over. So what we do here is very important. Just like that tree, there's going to, there's a record of our life and there's going to be an accounting that's going to be done. So um, let's take a look at um, the other part of this verse where it says, you know, not only that we're like a tree planted, 
by rivers of water. And again, the water is a picture of the word of God. If we're meditating in the word day and night, that is that river of water that we're planted by. Uh, it's a very, very common analogy in scripture. And it says we're going to bring forth fruit. It says that brings forth his fruit in his season. So we see this is an analogy because it used the, the uh, personal pronoun his, but we're still talking about that tree analogy. And there's something that results from this meditation in the word, from this blessedness. And they're, they're fruit. Now, I've planted a lot of trees and some of them have been fruit. Now, the fruit that is being speak, spoken of here is the fruit of the Spirit. And we have an elaboration on that in the New Testament. A lot of times we're introduced to subjects in the Old Testament. And then the New Testament, the apostles they have taken those things and expanded them and given us greater detail and understanding of the application of the original verses. So this is that's this is one of those cases. So in Galatians chapter 5 we're given a uh, explanation as to what these fruit are. In Galatians 5:22 it says, but the fruit of the spirit, right? It's one fruit, but it manifests multiple things. The, the singular, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Okay, so um, it's interesting that it's described as the fruit, but it manifests multiple things from this fruit. And um, we're going to see there's another tree <laughs> that's similar to that later. But let's look at these different manifestations of this fruit. So if we are like this blessed one who has been watered by the word, whose leaf shall not wither and bringeth forth his fruit in his season. So that means that we will manifest or produce something from our tree, right? So what is fruit called in the store? It's called produce, right? Because it's produced by trees. So here we are as a tree. What fruit can we produce? Well, this fruit of the spirit. And these are the different aspects, or you might even say flavors. Um benefits, nutrients, manifestations that come from this fruit. And the first one is love. Now this love is agapeo. This is the 
the unselfish, the love that can only come from God, that's produced by God and manifested from God through us in Christ by God, the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this aspect of love is beyond the uh, other aspects of love, which we know there's a sensual type of love, right? That's kind of a, you know, where we get the word lust from. There's also the love between a parent and a child, right? Um, there's that aspect of love between the love that's between a husband and a wife. Um, that's the, the more common type of love that people put on the highest pedestal. But the even higher than that is this uh, unconditional love that comes from God. So first of all, that is the first manifestation of the spirit. So I think it's safe to say that the immediate response that you should have after coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is love. There should be that love there. He expresses that love to you. You will then express that love back to him. That is basic. And I think that's why it's listed first. And this kind of love is what is overarching. It's the initial manifestation and it should flavor every other manifestation. Love never goes away. Love should be a part of each of these manifestations. So next we see joy. Now, joy is very closely related to this word we saw when we first started studying this psalm. Blessed is the man that walketh not, blah, blah, blah. Well, that word blessed is closely linked to joy, right? So there should be a manifestation of love. There should be a manifestation of joy. And this is uh, joy based in an assurance that transcends any situation we might be in. It's fueled by faith and full of hope, you know, and not the kind of hope that says, I hope this happens, but the kind of hope that is a cheerful expectation of fulfillment. It's the kind of hope that's assured, that is waited on, that is expected to manifest. Next, we see peace. Uh, peace is something that everybody says they want. You know, the world is always saying, oh, you know, I pray for world peace. Well, if you really are praying for world peace and you're praying for the Lord Jesus to come back, because that's the only way we're going to ever experience world peace, because uh, the Bible says that um, the wicked will not have any peace. Uh, they don't want it. Uh, really, they want the kind of peace that says, you know, leave me alone and let me do what I want to do. Let me enjoy my sin, uh, my corruption. You know, whatever it is I want to do, just leave me be so I can do it. Well, God is not going to have that. You know, that's not the kind of peace that we're talking about here. This is the peace that is manifested from uh, God himself. So how is it that God is at peace? Well, nobody can bother God. 
The Lord Jesus is seated in heaven. He's not standing up, pacing back and forth, trying to figure out what's going to happen. He's seated because he's awaiting for all things to be placed under his feet. Um, he knows the outcome because he has secured the outcome. He has planned, purposed, and secured the outcome. You know, the Lord is not depending on us to do anything. You know, it, I try to be patient with that. But, you know, the word clearly says that he purposed in himself to do all things. All things were created by him and nothing that is created uh, did not was nothing that has been created has been created by anyone but him. Why is that? That's because he secures everything in himself. He does not depend on us to do anything. We are highly um, volatile. You know, I, I can't depend on myself to do things, let alone, you know, why would God depend on, you know, you or me to do anything? God purposes things in us to complete them. And he makes sure that they get completed through his power. So that's the kind of peace we're talking about. The kind of peace that can't be disturbed. That's the peace of God, you know, the peace that you know that you're completely protected, that uh, not even death can separate us from the love of God. So what do we have to fear? That's why we can say, death, where's your sting? It's gone. So there's nothing you can do to me that the Lord has not allowed you to do. So if the Lord is allowing you to do it, it's for a purpose and it's going to glorify him. Bring it on. Bring it on. So that's the kind of peace that we have. It's a settled peace that comes from knowing that God is faithful and that he's good and holy and righteous and that his purpose in us is for our benefit, whether we know it or not. And, you know, my pastor used to say it may not look good. It may not taste good. It may not feel good, but God makes it to be good. And that's the peace that we have. It's a peace that comes from him. So this is also a fruit of the spirit. Peace. Next, we see long suffering. What is long suffering? Well, it's it is what the word says. It's being able to suffer for extended periods of for an extended period of time. Uh, it's characterized as, you know, a patient suffering, you know, not a suffering that we complain about, not a, why is this happening to me? It's a settled understanding that what is happening is not only for my benefit, but also glorifies God. So this is being content content in whatever situation that we're in. Um, it's to, you know, be abased or brought low or to be brought high to no matter the situation, 
to trust that the Lord is primary in all that is happening and that whatever is happening, we don't seek our pleasure, but to please God. When we set aside the me, 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 and it's all Jesus, that's when we can begin to accomplish this or manifest this fruit of long suffering. So to kind of put it in the simplest form possible, uh, if it's just you and Jesus, if you get to that point, if it's just you and him, then you're really in the best place that you could possibly be. And long suffering embraces that truth. And that's what that, that fruit is. So we're going to suffer as believers, right? You probably already have, uh, if not, it's coming. I mean, it's a characteristic of our lives and we suffer in a lot of different areas in different ways and your suffering may not be mine, but we all suffer. It's a characteristic, like I said, of being a believer, of even walking in this blessed state. So isn't that interesting that we're talking about joy, love, and peace, and suffering? Suffering is a part of being blessed. Now, that's very contradictory to what a, what a lot of these people are teaching about the abundant life and, you know, the, the abundant life is to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came here to die, right? To suffer on a cross and to die on behalf of those whom the Father gave him. And the reward comes after the suffering. After he was resurrected, he was exalted through the heavens, given all power in the heavenlies. So, we're in that time now where suffering is a part of our ministry. And we need to be able to do that in a way that is manifesting love with that suffering and peace and joy. Right? Those are the fruit that we're talking about. This is, Remember, this is one fruit. And all these manifestations are intertwined with one another. And they almost build on one another, you know? So what kind of things are we going to suffer as believers? Well, Paul says you're going to suffer the loss of things. The first thing you're going to lose is popularity, okay? There's no such thing as being popular in the world and pleasing the Lord Jesus. Those two things just don't go together. So uh, does that mean we're to be a hermit, to exclude ourselves from the world and you know, walk around with our lips stuck out uh, and be upset. No, no, that wouldn't be manifesting joy or peace, now would it? But what it does mean is that we should not measure our success, our value, based on whether or not we're popular with others. Because the opposite is true. The Lord said that if you're pleasing me, you most likely are not going to be popular. And that's okay, right? Um, what other kind of things will we suffer? Well, 
you're going to suffer the loss of material things. Um, there's not many rich among you uh, because that's just not what's important in the Christian life. In fact, God is able to manifest his power and miracles in the life of anything. Uh, when he fed the 5,000, those were all poor people. They were experiencing. Uh, and God puts us in these places where we don't have material things so that we don't look to material things. So that we can see him working in our lives, see him providing for us. And he creates this, you know, situation or these situations where we're like um, being fed, you know, just, you know, as we go a little at a time. We don't, you know, a lot of times, you know, believers don't accumulate a lot of things, right? We have what we need and he gives us what we need when we need it. And it causes us to continue to look to him and to trust him for everything. So it has a benefit. So yeah, we're going to suffer in that way. But as you can see, even when we suffer, it, there's a purpose in it. It's not, we're not, you know, suffering for nothing. It, it, it glorifies God. It builds our faith. It strengthens us. Uh, you're going to suffer in the form of relationships. You know, you want, you're going to lose loved ones. Uh, there's going to be people that you love and you want to uh, connect with and you won't be able to because, you know, they just uh, are casualties of our faith. You know, there's no bridge. If they're the people that are mentioned in the first part of the psalm, well, there's no fellowship there, you know? And that doesn't mean you don't love those people. It just means that they are not supporting or uh, a part of this blessedness. They're counter to it. And so we suffer in that way. But we also have one another. Uh, believers have the word of God and we have one another. But most of all, we have the Lord Jesus. And like I said, if it's just you and him, then you have the advantage. Um, we're going to suffer in the form of our health. There's a lot of people that are suffering severe health problems. You know, uh, and the Lord does that. He ministers to us that way because it glorifies him. And... Uh, if you haven't experienced that yourself, it may be hard to understand, but if that's something that the Lord has for you in your life, or if you're dealing with health issues, then know that he's ministering to you in a very special way. And he uses those things to draw us closer to him and give us opportunity to uh, manifest his fruit. And it's a blessing. So the ultimate long suffering is even death. You know, there's Fox's Book of Martyrs talks about a lot of different people who have died. 
uh, for the faith. And we all should be prepared for that because there's a time that could come that to where we may have to make that kind of a stand. And if it happens, the Lord has grace for it. But these are um, the truths about the abundant Christian life. There's this fruit of long suffering. So the next uh, manifestation of the fruit we see is gentleness. Now, gentleness is in direct contrast to wrath uh, or harshness. And uh, it's when you have reached the point to where you have, are manifesting love, peace, joy, uh, long suffering, it creates in you a gentleness. Uh, it's a it's a gentleness in how that you approach life and how do you approach the challenges of life and in the people and individuals they see it it's something that can be perceived by everyone around you and it's a real powerful ministry because it's in such stark contrast to the wisdom of the world which says you know, you have to fight for everything, you know, tooth and nail. And you got to get in there and you got to find your place and you got to make your place. and You got to hold your place. Well, gentleness is not that way. Gentleness is resting on the promises of the Lord Jesus and knowing that he has everything that you need um, in him. And he is going to provide that so that you don't have to embrace the that point of fear that the world has that you have to fight for everything we don't have to fight for it it's given to us it's it's given to us in a way that we can rest and be at peace and it manifests this gentleness the next one we see is goodness the best way for me to describe this is goodness is to be like christ if you examine his life and his ministry when he was here on earth, he manifest he manifested goodness. He did that which was good in the sight of the Father, right? He was always seeking to do the will of his Father. We manifest goodness when we are seeking to um, do the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we are seeking to honor him with our lives, it causes or produces us to do good because that's who he is. He is good. He is the personification of good. And if we are like Christ, which is what Christian means, then we are going to also manifest this goodness. And people see it. They notice it. It's a very powerful ministry, right? The next we see is faith. Um, faith, if I was going to describe it succinctly, would be the full trust and reliance on God. To obey God is faith. That's how we believe God, is through faith. Faith is believing God. Faith is obeying God. Um, faith is where we get our righteousness from, right? By obeying God. 
And you cannot obey God apart from faith. So it's a trust, it's a settled trust and reliance upon God. And this is a the fruit of the Spirit. This is what we manifest. Next, we see meekness. Now, meekness is not weakness, right? A lot of people think, oh, if you're meek, then you're weak. That's the world's view. But to be meek is to not assert yourself or to take the center stage, right? Um, meek people seek the betterment of others over themselves. There's a quality of submission associated with meekness. Uh, but it's a submission that comes from a willingness to submit and not so much fighting submission. First uh, Peter 5, 6 says, Be ye humbled under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. So that's what this is. It's a willingness in the, to embrace being humbled, being put in a position that is not comfortable that is uh, contrary to your own will self-will to where again you're seeking the betterment of others and ultimately to seek the betterment or the glorification of god through the lord jesus christ and uh, do this is the fruit of the spirit man apart from god will not and cannot do this you know but this is a manifestation of this, this uh, fruit. So, you know, in this life, we're not going to be the most beautiful, the wealthiest, or famous. That's just not what we're called to do. You know, uh, I have talents. You know, I have some artistic talent. I have talent in other areas. And a lot of people will ask me, you know, hey, you're so talented. Why aren't you doing something with that? I'm like, I do stuff with it. But uh, the idea is that I could do a lot more. And um, what they don't understand that I try to explain is that I'm doing what it is the Lord has me to do with whatever these talents are. But that's not my focus. My focus is glorifying him in my life. And whatever it is he has for my life, uh, then that's what I want because he knows best for me. And that's the mentality I think we should have. You know, we're called to serve and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And this meekness is uh, how we are able to, I think, accomplish that. The next we see is temperance. This fruit uh, manifestation is in direct contrast to the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, we have to keep our eyes on the Lord to maintain temperance. Um, it's the opposite of being unstable or vacillating or, you know, going up and down these extreme uh, emotional um, outbursts or kind of manifestation of the flesh where you want to be in control and you're concerned and you're worried and you think you have to do this. And if I don't do that, temperance allows us to be settled. Uh, 
and to trust that God is going to accomplish everything that needs to be accomplished. It doesn't mean that you don't get concerned about things, that, that you don't have a reaction, but that reaction is not what uh, characterizes your life. This temperance, this kind of being even, even kill that takes things as they come because of the peace of God, right? You know that he loves you. You have this joy because of that, right? And you're submitting yourself to him in meekness and it creates this temperance. So that is the fruit of the spirit. All, all these things are manifested from the spirit when we're in this state of blessedness is, um, is exemplified by the, you know, what Psalm one says, you know, being in the word of God, being planted by this river, our leaf will not wither. That speaks of, you know, God providing for us, uh, continually. And then there's this being planted by this river, right? And that's definitely the word of God. And this fruit is going to manifest in your life. It is guaranteed. It is what speaks to the people around you that confirms that you are a child of God. It's this fruit that's manifested. So this tree analogy, I hope has been um, very helpful. I think that it would be good to see some other tree analogies, some other trees that are listed in the word of God. So there's three trees that I would like to take a look at. Uh, if you would um, just bear with me here. And I think that they're very significant. Um, the first tree is the tree of life. Now, the tree of life is mentioned in the very beginning of the Bible and also at the end. In Genesis 3.22, um, the tree of life is mentioned. Uh, this is after the fall and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are talking amongst themselves and they decide, hey, we need to prevent man from taking of the tree of life, which is in the Garden of Eden, which obviously was one of the trees that was in this uh, heavenly garden. That garden must have been a heavenly garden. Um, and if they were to take and eat from it, they would live forever. So the aspect of this tree is that it has medicinal properties that nourish a body supernaturally, you know, beyond just regular nourishment that would give you um, eternal life. So um, that tree, that's the tree of life. It's in Genesis 3.22. Now it's also mentioned in Revelations 22.2 as being in heaven. And it says it's for the nourishment of the nation. So this tree is in the beginning of the word. And it's also in the end of the uh, revealed word that we have. And so I think that tree is significant because of that. 
And it's obviously something that's going to be a part of where we're going to be. We're going to live in heaven. This tree is going to be there. I don't know that it's going to be for us to uh, really eat of the tree because I don't think we're going to have to eat. I think if we do eat, it's going to be just because we want the pleasure of eating, not because we need sustenance. But I do know that we're going to be ministering to the people who are on the earth, which will be the people during the uh, thousand year reign of Christ. And I feel like just my theory, you know, I can't substantiate this, but I believe that possibly they're going to be coming to us um, kind of like when they had the feast uh, and they would go to Jerusalem. They're going to come to New Jerusalem and we're going to minister to them and these this tree of life will, you know, add to their life, will minister to any sickness or anything they might have and, you know, it may speak maybe the reason why they have such a long life because it says that at that time a person that's 100 years old will still be considered a youth so i don't know just a theory but still an important tree and worth mentioning um also we have in mark 11 there's another tree there's a fig tree in mark 11 and i'm going to turn there and um read about this tree here because I think it's really interesting. Uh, it was right during um, the after the triumphal entry, and Jesus, um, you know, he has his triumphal entry, which is kind of uh, his announcement, public announcement to the nation Israel that he is the Messiah, and they really didn't respond to that the way they should have you know this is the one that they were waiting on but the response was not as it should have been not like when he comes the second time but in mark 11 13 it says uh seen at a distance a fig tree in leaf he speaking of the lord jesus went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Now, later on, we find out that, you know, a few other things happen. He goes to the temple and he does some cleansing of the temple. But on the way back, they noticed that tree. And the tree was withered from the roots. It was gone. So this is a instantaneous death or cursing um, by the Lord Jesus. And that tree was gone just like that. So I mentioned that because he went to Jerusalem expecting fruit. He had ministered to these people for years. And now he is often used as a type of the nation Israel. And there, but unfortunately, he found no fruit. He desired, it said he was hungry, he desired fruit, but it wasn't there. So another tree that I want us to look at um, is in Exodus. Uh, Exodus 
chapter 15, um, starting in verse 22, says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So they're out in the wilderness three days. Now, right before this, they had this great spiritual deliverance at the Red Sea. You know, Moses wrote the song of Moses. Miriam had all the women singing along. It was this great uh, spiritual deliverance. And immediately after, three days after, they were in the wilderness and they didn't have any water. Verse 23, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah, which means bitter. So the people grumbled at Moses. Now, if you read Exodus, you're going to see there's a lot of grumbling. I feel sorry for poor Moses. He heard a lot of grumbling uh, from these people. Um, so the people grumbled at Moses saying, what shall we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord. Moses did the right thing. You know, he didn't depend on his own ability to find water. He said, I'm going to take this to the Lord. So he cried out to the Lord on behalf of the people. And the Lord showed him a tree. Look at that. And he threw it into the waters and the waters became sweet. So there's this uh, miracle. You know, God provided this tree that was able to make the bitter waters sweet. So those are the three trees that I think are worth study. You know, the things that uh, God did some very significant things with these trees. And this psalm is saying that we are to be like trees. But what kind of tree will we be? What kind of tree will I be? What kind of tree will you be? Um, that's a good question to ask ourselves. And I think this psalm is kind of forces us to ask that question, to do an examination of ourselves. You know, will we be a tree that by bearing fruit takes away the bitterness of a thirsty soul? You know, a soul that's been made bitter by, you know, not knowing the Lord Jesus. We live in a world that's full of bitterness. That's, that's the truth. And the gospel is how we make this bitter world to be sweet. Not by making the world sweet, but by manifesting this fruit, by pointing to the one who can make the bitter things sweet. And he has given us this ministry that we could be like that tree. You know, we have that opportunity before us. Um, so you ask the question, you know, how do you minister to people who hate you? Well, uh, by the fruit of the spirit. That's the witness that we have. This fruit as it's manifested in us and through us by God, the Holy Spirit, we become this tree of life. You know, our fruit is a witness to those who are perishing, uh, that we are the children of God. That's how they know that we're the children of God. 
you know? So what kind of fruit are they seeing in me? I have to ask myself that. And you should be asking yourself that. If you're a child of God, if you're a believer, what kind of fruit are people seeing? You know, we have this responsibility to the Lord Jesus to bear fruit while we're here on earth. One day we'll end this earthly ministry and it'll be said that no man shall eat of this fruit uh, anymore. You know, just like that um, fig tree, we have a limited time to witness in a very special way on behalf of the Lord Jesus and bear this fruit. And we should embrace that and we should count it uh, a privilege and an honor to be able to serve him in this way. We don't want to be like the nation Israel and uh, not bear fruit. Uh, we, we must bear fruit. It's a, it's something that is a must. It's not even uh, a choice that we have. We have to bear this fruit and be the tree that glorifies him. While it's still called day today, he says, you know, today is the day of salvation. We have to embrace this opportunity and bear this, this fruit, the fruit that glorifies the Lord Jesus in our lives. Uh, that's the kind of tree we want to be, a tree of life. You know, we have the healing in us. In God the Holy Spirit. We have the gospel message. This is how we heal the nations. This is how God heals the nations. And he has made us to be a part of it. To be a partaker in this ministry. He says that we are. Um, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So that the glory will be of God and not of us. So. This is something that we have, and we have this opportunity to minister on his behalf in this very special way while we're here on earth. And when we stand before him at the Bema, we'll, we'll have a lot of precious stones and precious metals come out in the form of crowns. If, if, if we manifest his fruit. So that should be the motivation for living a uh, blessed life, not only for the benefits that you receive, but the benefits that it gives to others. And ultimately, that it glorifies the Lord Jesus. And that's what we're here to do. That's why we were delivered, to glorify him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you asking that you would make us to be the kind of tree that bears much fruit and that that fruit would be a witness and a testimony to those around us, um, that it would lead to uh, the salvation of those whom you have called out um, from this world to be saved and to those others, Father, who um, won't know you that way, that it would be a ministry uh, and a testimony to your power, 
to your grace uh, and that you glorify yourself in all these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.